abuse you? Do you think I really abused you? On reflection now, it doesn't matter. How, How can, can you say, you say I made you? Can I made you? Can say it now? Can you say it now? It's all over. It's my act as my calling. My calling is 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 my calling. My
We are listening to Open Country Joy from Mahi Beach and Orchestra. The album Birds of Fire, 1974. We're going to continue with Soft Machine. This is Ban Ban Caliban. You're listening to Mutiny Radio.fm. Thank you. 
Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Hey! Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good do to... this again. Ready to yes. go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate. At Venmo is, is at Muni Radio. Uh, you can go to muniradio.fm and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also a podcast with the acronym LWAFLMOIT, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it carte blanche. Carte blanche? Blanche. Carte blanche. Separately, but with the with the video set up. Uh, yeah, you don't have to sync up the our yeah. audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out WAFLMOIT on YouTube. Because LWAFLMOIT is Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. So you're going to listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now. Uh, but unless you're watching on the pod, if you're watching on YouTube, Carl's already said the movie up. Easy peasy. I handled uh, it. Yeah. We listen, if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie, you're not doing it properly. You're That's not right. getting the full experience. Nope. Absolutely. We are parasites and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to, 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 to call attention to ourselves for two hours a week. <laughs> So we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie, and watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Actors Filming. It's actors Filming. Yeah, it's not cameramen, cameramen acting. It's Actors Filming is the channel we like. You can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and type in Fantastic Four 1994. Look for the uh, version yeah, hosted by acting, actors, actors filming. filming. Yeah. Not we acting did... filmers. Well, we... Actors filming. I was going to say, this is the second time our show has done it. This is the first time with Carl. And uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. 
uh, you know, I, you start off a show called Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube, you go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic <laughs> Four. I don't know. You look for the Chuck Berry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube, and then it got yonked, and now it's back on. It's been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie, the joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this movie, it's just, what can we say? It's a great bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <laughs> infamously and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994, find the version from hosted by actors filming, hit pause, move the meter to zero, zero, zero. And at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by Carl. <laughs> Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Sure. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I, I haven't had my morning coffee. So... <laughs> I just put well, a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994, the Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays at the end of the year, but I was there, yeah. Now, that's unusual, really. Is that because it was going to be a cover story you spent so much time? Uh, well, it ended up being a cover story. So I was on the set for filming. And, and yeah, um, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the, before the end of the year was because contractually, if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year, they would, you know, they would have lost the rights to the Fantastic Four, this German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to... This, yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, yeah, uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie, and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's, between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic you know, uh, franchises that I love the most. So when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So, um, so that would just sort of led me to being on the set the in, almost the entire time, the entire shoot. Which and we I, did uh, the Carnosaur short. on this podcast also, and we it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. Yeah, it's, I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, I'm where in are it. you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of, right. I think, chickens uh, onto a truck. Yes, towards and the beginning. And I, my line is, I changed it. I said, can you give me a hand with, the line was, can you give me a hand with this? And I said, can you give me a hand with this load? Just because I wanted right. to say the word load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it I did worked. it for every take, and it's in the movie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to so, have to watch it again. Yes, absolutely. You. 
So the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place, and I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building, your experience uh, there? I don't. I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly, and I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur. We did a story about that. Then I was. You know, it's like, oh, they're just recycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It's like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. I mean, uh -huh. he's famously cheap. And I, I, I interviewed him once and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye. And we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny just to kind of show how cheap he was. And I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like you can't buy like Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy like whatever the low brand, like local grocery store brand of Coca-Cola was, like whatever, you know, generic brand snacks like don't get fancy snacks you know so i, I thought that was really funny that's like that's, that's how how much he was pinching pennies now we saw the uh documentary doom to prepare our research for the film and in it you talk uh -huh. about how like at first you were very giddy to be on the film, I mean, you were a fan, you know, but as time yeah. moved on, you started to realize this was going to be a B-movie. Yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of this sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes, right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes, and it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex. It was literally just spandex where, you know, they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled. The other thing was <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for Film Threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters, right? The main four. And <clears throat> what I loved was their enthusiasm. The actors, Alex Hyde-White, who actually ended up being in the third Indiana Jones movie, who's an established actor, who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting for, uh, he, does, he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde-White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared uh -huh. so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four. Just in tone felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, so, so, So that was great aspect. And the, the earnestness of everyone involved, with the exception of, I think, Roger Corman, it was just, concerned with like let's just get this done and do it cheap the thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot so we had like all four characters right and we put them against the set and i hired this photographer for shooting and um this is a story that i told that didn't make it into the documentary by the way this is like a bonus feature here but the actress i believe her name is rebecca staub yeah she yeah. played sue storm invisible girl and this Let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination. <laughs> and there was 
serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, I don't know, is it, this could be a problem. We're going to have to put text over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to have to cover it up in some way. So... Wow. Yeah. Now, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness, right? They're homemade. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it is an excuse to excuse, to, you know, make, make them, you know, and that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which, I, mm -hmm. which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness. And yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm <laughs> should be, you know, she should be, you know, a girlfriend who, you know, will just go away. And just go away when she turns invisible and just disappear. Right? That was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Perfect. I guess, I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like, look, I was a super fan. I'm like, the fact that, you know, I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was, this was the 90s, right? Like, we're now living in a time, we're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series when who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like, it's like, now there's like so much geek stuff that it's like, oh wow, there's a lot of crappy geek, geek stuff now. But back then it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like, oh my God. And um, yeah, so so it was, it was for me, like it was like summer camp, you know? Because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. work for a and I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary, too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially, yeah, at the 60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, stockier, thighs, huger. Chris, what, didn't what was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the Thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the Thing costume in real life actually looked pretty good. Like, like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film, and they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, yeah. soul into it. I mean, for them, I'm mean, sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like, I know they were paid, but at the end. I guarantee they didn't really make weren't weren't paid what, what you know the time that was put into it, and I think that they looked at on it as like well this is going to be this is for us going to be stone. like a portfolio piece right like and they really really just put a lot of effort in that costume they tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics and I, I would say that it's more accurate than the you know other Fantastic Four film that came out later and then the one that came out you know more recently. Uh, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like, those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. With and the, to the brow. Comic book is, mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the brow and everything. Like, they got that right. It, it, it moved, you know, in certain places. And so, you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it, was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now, that guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge yeah. stuntman. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? 
Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. He he had problems with it, right? Like it was you know, I mean, you sign up to be a monster in a costume. That's yeah. what you're going to be. You right? should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the yeah. thing. Now, they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more like about blocking. Did you see – What did you have an impression like uh, this is a little rinky-dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like if it was, if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they, they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they – were you know portrayed in the comic book i'm fearful that this they keep talking about a new fantastic four movie i think i think based on sort of the direction that marvel's going i think it'll be pretty awful uh, mm. i really don't have a lot of faith in it but this is this was but if this were a movie to be released in theaters i think it would be kind of lackluster i mean you know johnny storm doesn't really even turn into fully the human torch until the very end of the movie right one sort of last shot that was very early digital before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like, think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And and I think they knew that. You could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic. Like, they were writing around having to do special effects, right? So um, that was sort of a – that was a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he – Yes, I, he, I mean Stan is. I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's gonna gonna be there and be a part of it. So yeah, he was on the set, but it was more just a glad hand, and yeah. I think that gave people confidence too. Yeah, because like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement, and I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation. That it was really about this German company holding on to the rights. Uh, you know, so so what can you say? But but you know that was this is pre like Marvel being Marvel, right? This yeah. is Stan Lee just like trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were there were you know there were television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent. There like was the Captain Hulk show. America on a bike, right? On a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah right. all the Hulk. Captain America movie. Don't remind me. But then there was also like. The television series, there was um, Spider-Man. You know, there was the Bill Bixby Hulk show yeah. with Lou yeah. That was fun. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't the Hulk that we have now for Marvel, right? But it was, hey, it was it was a tragic, fun sort of you know, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde story, right? And then there was the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show, right, in the seventies, which Nicholas Hammond, by the way, has a cameo at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, oh, he's hey. in it. Everyone talks about, oh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Hey, I noticed Nicholas Hammond was <laughs> in it. So Nicholas Hammond is in the in at the very end of Spider-Man: No Way Home. Uh, uh, you see, they're in they're in the diner, and you know Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop, and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nic kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director who directed um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, we... So Quentin Tarantino put him in there, and he plays the director who directs the Western, and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. 
That's kind of so. neat, neat. So, so uh, there was a uh, two-part Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and, and released in Europe as a as a feature. Yeah, uh, and we it. saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun, you know. Wow. Yeah, cheap. It was good. Now, was... I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film, and it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi... The Marvel guy, that was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do do you agree? Yeah, I think that I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it, and and that was it. I mean, obviously, I got a bootleg copy of it years later, but I also did a thing where we, um, we took the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them did a signing at the Film Threat booth in at San Diego Comic-Con, and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like 2,000 issues of that comic. A lot of people had already have an, had an issue of it, and they signed every single one, That's and uh, the cast was great. I th- the year later that Comic-Con did a rule, like, we have to have an autograph area. We can't have people <laughs> clogging up the you aisles. You guys did that. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, That's no, one. No, it, Anyway, so that was that was like a delight to like have them all there, and what was weird was just how enthusiastic those those main actors were. You know, I saw that in that documentary that the enthusiasm of the crew, like they did everything. They promoted the hell out of that movie at every convention. They were the voice of that movie, and you know, a fan on their own dime. Yeah, on their own dime, and like a fan like myself would get excited because there really is such a thing, and there's such enthusiasm to it. I mean, I was excited, you know, like I like I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would, you know, there'd be a Fantastic Four movie made. Like, what the hell? Like, that's crazy. I so, remember reading the comics, uh, you know, at 11 years old, 10 years old, thinking they should make these into movies. You know, why aren't they doing that? You know, well, they had the cartoon well, show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there was the animated Fantastic Four cartoon. There were two of them, one in the 60s, which used the Human Torch, and then Another one that came later, yeah. I think it was in the late 70s, right. where they had Herbie the Robot because they were afraid kids were going to light themselves on fire to be oh. a human torch, which I guarantee you Marvel is going to address that in some way. Like, they're trying to figure out how do we do the Fantastic Four and not, like, have kids light themselves Wait, on wow. fire, and then how do you make it practical? Like, okay, if he ignited himself on fire and was in the kitchen that I'm in right now, that would probably destroy and melt the kitchen. He could, you know what I mean? Like, yes. there's just sort of practical real world things. Okay. If you're going to have these characters now exist in the real world, how do they, how does it work? Now, did film threat go on to do an article to cover the fact that fantastic four would not be released? Did you follow up? Well, the, the, we never did because we could, we could never get any answers. Right. Uh-huh. You know, we did that cover story. And I remember, um, uh, I, I remember Tony Timpone from Bangoria magazine called me out of the blue and said, ah, you really scooped this on that one. Because I'd been doing stories where because I was in Hollywood, I could just go to the sets of these movies and we covered Carnosaur. And, you know, we just were getting access to like low budget indie movies, which is kind of film threats, bread and butter. I mean, we cover independent film, right? So, I mean, Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker. Yeah. And they but, went to Trauma, too, uh, at first. Trauma said no, right? I mean, the documentary taught me that. Right, right. So 
So, uh, you know, but we didn't know. I mean, we just did the story and I wanted to be very comprehensive. I grew up reading Cinefantastic magazine and Starlog and, and uh, you know, Fangoria. And, and I read all those magazines as a kid. I was, I was a magazine junkie. At, a, at you know at the time at, in that era and i think at one point i had 50 magazine subscriptions this is before yeah. the internet yeah yeah this yeah before the internet right. and just so people who may not know magazines are like the internet but on really thin slices of wood and yeah. you can read them <laughs> that's a good way to well, say you, it. you know this podcast exists exact for, yeah we, we we're doing this podcast because i used to read psychotronic right. video all the time yeah i love like that magazine. Video. yeah i love it and I would I say, oh, my that God, magazine that I, I, and then just like there were so many great ones at the time. And I just wanted to be film threat sort of had its own niche, which was indie film. Right. That was our that was what we focused on. And sometimes that crossed over into genre stuff. So um, certainly a lot of you know low budget underground films were horror, sci fi, etc. So. So, yeah, I, I you know, like I just think that there was never a final word. Right. Like they said you know, oh, it's on hold or it's this or whatever. And then, you know, it just sort of got forgotten. It, mm -hmm. it became like a lost film. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike used to read these magazines, but he couldn't go see the film. He was young. He's not going down to the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. So that's why right. we have this show today, because they're all on YouTube now. They're all on YouTube. Everything I read in Psychotronic, oh, wow. everything I read in my film books. And I had to take the really? film books. Yeah, well, because, you know, Fantastic Four, I read about it in Film Threat. I've, I've, you know, and that was it. So I just had wow. a base. So thanks to YouTube, the great yeah. equalizer, I can just finally watch it. And then. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Now, what was George Gaines doing on set? I mean, we're talking Punky Brewster. We're talking uh, Police Academy. Did they know they had a star here? Why didn't yeah, they Yeah, he was the biggest them? name. Oh, uh, I don't know. That, I don't know. <laughs> were you there to see George Gaines? No, I'm not sure if I met, met him on set. And I probably would not know. I mean, I wasn't, like, even at the time, like, and I don't, I tend to not watch mainstream television of any kind. Like, uh, you know, people tell me constantly about the Big Bang Theory yeah. and stuff. And, like, I hate, I, I, I think I've watched that show, and I, I'm not, not a fan. So when it comes to, like, mainstream anything, I'm pretty blissfully unaware. So <laughs> I wouldn't have even known who he was anyways, because I've never seen an episode of Punky Brewster. Were you there the day that they shot the classroom scene, which in, in the beginning, when he's sitting next to Ben Grimm? Um, I don't think I was there. Okay, that. okay, because that was his big moment. That was his know? big moment. Yeah, yeah. I just think they should have used him. He was a big star. He could have been the Alfred the Butler to them or something. I don't know. They should have squeezed it in. Yeah. Okay, so, Chris, now, everyone at home is poised to watch this film at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. They're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead and give us that celebrity countdown? Wait, wait, really? How, where yeah. am I counting down from? Three. Three. Okay, Three, two, one, right. go. But it's got to be paced. And so we, we should, why don't we go from four, three, two, one? Because of Fantastic Four? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. All right, so we're going to watch. we're going to watch the Fantastic Four the classic Roger Corman movie. And here we go. We're going to count down from four, three, two, one, play. All right. Very excited. Thank you for that celebrity comedian countdown. New, the celebrity, New Horizons. That, of course, is... Right. Uh, We're about to watch Munchies, right? 
we'd have lost a few New Horizon video straight to video. Uh, this wasn't even straight to video. No, it wasn't released at all. You see how this they whoever put this up here for us stuck snuck in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in nineteen ninety-four, there was no such thing. If you don't know anything about this movie and you see that in the beginning, you're all right, ready to go. Right. All right. Yeah. Hey man, I watched I watched twenty six movies to get one storyline. I missed the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe movie. You gotta watch it. Well, this is some trippy special effects already. Uh, do you hear the music? Did I? Well, I guess so. I mean, the people who wrote the music spent $6,000 of their own money to hire an orchestra. And we learned that from the documentary about this film. We should mention the documentary is, is almost as fun as the movie. It's called um, Doomed. Doomed which is the true story of this film where all the actors you see here in the opening credits, uh, Rebecca Stab takes a stab at it. Uh, <laughs> stab. <laughs> Michael Bailey Smith took a Smith at it. <laughs> he did. He, uh, oh, oh, he was Ian Trigger. Yeah, he was Trigger. Ian Trigger. So, um, yeah, it's okay. It's just a documentary about how this film didn't get released. You know, and we'll talk all about it. You know, and you've seen it, so have I. I have. I I have not seen it recently. I forgot George Gaines is in it, but yeah. Now George Gaines is from Police Academy movies. At least that's how yeah. you know him and love him. Oh and, oh oh, uh, and uh, Pucky Brewster's father. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, and 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 the guy from Victor Victoria. Okay. Uh, yeah, Punky. Oh, do, do go on. Do go on. He was Henry Warnamount in Punky Brewster. He was command Commandant Eric Lassard in Police Academy, and he retired from acting at the age of eighty-six. It was two thousand three, um, and he passed away. He was old when he passed away. Yeah, no, you know he spoke many languages. He Seven. he spoke Russian. Seven languages. Mm -hmm. That's right. He, he was actually born in in a country that – I didn't write it down because I didn't think we would be focusing on this guy. No. He was born in a country in Eastern Europe that was part under the Soviet Union at the time. Why would we focus our, ourselves on Punky Brewster's father? He's like the only star in this movie. Yeah, he's the only one. That's right. Uh, there's the director. God bless. Oli. Oli. Oli was a music video director, and this was a big, big deal for him uh, because he was going to – oh, there he is, George Gaines. George Gaines up front. Get the star up front like Bruce Willis, and then the last three minutes he shows up. Yeah. No, except he's going away even from this, right? Oh, he's done after this. Bring me Tackleberry. <laughs> Punky, oh, Punky. Oh, Punky. All this scene is showing us is Reed Richards is really smart, and he's friends with Ben Grimm, who wouldn't be in the same class with him. He doesn't have his brains at all. So you're talking about Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four, that big do doofus from Yancey Street or whatever, a Clancy Street? or Well, that was the gang that used to tease him. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, he had a lot of troubles, that Ben Grimm. Yeah, he's, like, he's literally a monster. 
Oh, he was very grim, and he was literally a monster. Now, what we're learning now is Colossus is coming. Colossus is coming. Now, nothing goes faster than the speed of light except for Colossus, which is a comet-like energy source. It is radioactive, and every 10 years it passes Earth, okay? Uh-huh. But um, it's going to be the closest that it's ever been to Earth tonight. So we, Colossus is like a comet or something, like a yeah, meteor? Yeah, ball of energy. It's it nothing comes... to do with Galactus. Right. It has nothing to do with Galactus. All right. Colossus. And it is, it is not a comet. It's like energy, like a ball of energy. And it's all whammy-jammy radioactive, and it's zapping in the insides and stuff, you know. And they, there's Victor Von Doom yeah. on the left. Talking uh-huh. with Reed Richards about their plans tonight to harness the energy from Colossus. Oh, okay. I was going to go on a date with Sue Storm, Richard, but I'll, I'll be glad to do your project tonight. What could <laughs> go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Wait till you meet Sue Storm. She's just a little girl, and you're going to be like, this is creepy. Well, is he a college student? Nope. She's a little girl. She's like nine. Or maybe she's like 12. She's got to be like 12 or 14. You'll see. How old is her brother, Johnny Storm? Like seven or eight, from the looks of him. Wait a minute. They well, have kids? I mean, they... This is the or- Okay, see these two goofs? Yeah. They're like goons for Victor already. Like, Victor is already like a monarch back home. Right, that's right. So, it's kind of weird. We don't know. There she is. There she is. Storm. I can't see Stu Storm. Oh, there she is. She's invisible. <laughs> he's an invisible Ooh. woman. Oh, there's Johnny. Hothead. He's a hothead. Oh, he's playing that video game that looks like a cartoon. Right. The really real, right? Yeah. Look at look at it's drawn. It's a drawn cartoon. They're getting epilepsy. I'm getting epilepsy. <laughs> so that's been Grim, and I guess he's friends with Johnny and uh, Sue. Oh, he likes to hang out with the seven, eight-year-old boy? I guess, yes. <clears throat> oh, but it's her boarding house, so I guess he's he's a he lives there. Yeah. And here's Reed Richards, and Sue has a crush on Reed Richards. Oh, they, dreamy. They weren't married in the 60s, right? They got married later? No, they were married in the 60s. Look at the kiss. Right? She goes, oh, she touches her cheek. She's got a little girl crush on her. Oh. But they're married, right? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Oh, so she's going to be like, sure, Victor, I would love to go on a date. And then Reed's like, oh. Reed would be like, that is inappropriate. That's Uh a little girl. Victor Von Doom. Like, he's dreamy. And then Johnny goes, you're gross. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Why did I get the girl? How come everything goes wrong for a guy named Von Doom? <laughs> Do you think the Fantastic Four is interesting? Okay, so um, when I was 10, 11 years old, um, I would collect comic books. And yeah, I loved the Fantastic Four. I had them all. Jack Kirby, he was really, his art brought it to life. You were, it felt like you were watching a movie as you read the comics. Right, yeah. Well, everything's so square and weird and misshaped. Right. Yeah, it's all it's stylized, and he, you know, he's got a theme going on. He's sharp edges and 
creases, you know, he, he does a lot of shading, it's jagged, and, you know, like, he would extend the finger out in the drawings, and the knuckles would be all, like, like it was a skeleton, almost. Well, he was always fun, like, in outer space, his cartoons would always have, like, just weird things in the background and foreground, and given a chance to do a page, two-page spread or one-page spread, stuff's kind of all out there. Yeah, I guess that's interesting, but the, the idea of this family just being superheroes. Yeah, well, they're not a family. Well, I guess you've got a husband, you've got spouses and a right. brother, and then a good friend. They certainly right. become a family. That's but, right, Ben Grimm is not related. Here's Colossus. It's the Lazarium, right? Right. Can you imagine, like, a ball of energy is passing, and it's like a lightning. Okay, that's the thing. They're going to suck it up, and they're going to get the whammy jammy. <laughs> You'll see. Oh, so, so they're already planning to harvest this. Yeah, that's right, because it's coming tonight, and it's the closest they'll ever be to Earth. only comes around once every 10 years. Right, well, they could come back in another 10 years. Oh, yeah, but they don't want to. It's here. They've got the equipment. They got the tools, they got the power. They're gonna so this, this movie reminds me a lot like my science project with this, uh, Dennis Hopper who had like balls of energy and also electrical devices like this. Don't remember. I do remember that film. Do you like Parker? What was it? Oh, Parker wait a Fisher? second. I was thinking, oh, I was thinking of a different one. You mean the one we saw? Yeah, with Fisher show. Stevens. Yeah. Now, now look, Fisher Stevens, what's happening uh, is it's... It, it, their calculations weren't right, and it's too hot. They can't harness the energy. It's more like it's like imagine if you wanted to capture electricity, but instead it like heats up your whole. You know, you you don't have the capacitors for it. So they're getting a whammy jammy. Now Reed is like, let's get out of here. But Doom is like, I will not fail. And so he gets bazapped. See, right? Are they not going into outer space and get hit by gamma rays and and come back all? From- weird that it's well that's coming oh all right so what's happening here on earth like doom gets hurt first yeah they're grad students they tried to harness colossus energy doom was not being smart about it now look ben Grimm just pushed him out of right yeah yeah it was just great because the poor animators had like draw in the the lightning (laughs) 24 frames a second Look at his hair. Oh, he must be injured. Yeah. Well, they couldn't afford hairspray by that point. Yeah, not on this budget. It was either $1 million or $1.5 million. <clears throat> well, I think that um, uh, Constantini film, okay, Brend Eckhart, I'll say his name right in a minute. Constantini film like said, I'll give you $750,000. Foreman said he would put in $750,000. So that's a million and a half. But then other times in the Doom documentary on the internet, it says that the budget was $1 million. So that's it. Either the budget is $1 million or one and a half. Now look, this is Doom's henchman dressed up as a doctor saying, Victor's dead. Really? <clears throat> the long-lived doctor. Right. Now, look at the, sh- the shifty eyes when they get on the elevator 
the director did that so that we know that something's up. Right. Oh, yeah, this is not your ordinary elevator ride. <laughs> Here it comes now. Look, they look right. at each other. Uh-huh. We fooled uh-huh. them. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's the comedy duo of Headspin and Doctor. <laughs> There is some of that on on in here. There's a character called the jewel jeweler. He was supposed to be the mole man because that was a Fantastic Four. Sure, he was in the first issue of Fantastic Four. Maybe you're right. I, th- I think you're right about that. Remember, there was like some kind of monster breaking out of the sidewalk, and then right, yeah, on the cover, yeah, yeah. I don't think like it was the first one because the first one was the origin story, but but you might be right. Okay, now they're like. We must save the monarch. Now, why are they concealing his death? Why aren't they using the real doctors to help him? This it doesn't make sense in the real world why they would why would they want Reed Richards to think he's dead? Why? Ten years later. Ten years <laughs> later. The Baxter building. Oh yeah, right. Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. How did that Baxter building come whatever, ten years later? Ten years later, they're looking at a rocket to go into outer space. And Reed Richards, who's graying, now he's graying. Sure, he's got to get that, that classic Reed Richards look. He's talking to Ben Grimm going, you promised to be the pilot if I ever got this whammy-jammy machine in the air. Do you think that that Pixar movie ripped off Fantastic Four? Incredibles? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but they're a family, and there's four of them, and they're superheroes. That's mom, dad, and two kids. That's not what we got here. Besides, they just ripped off comic books. Right. But you, do you know the story that DC created their own Fantastic Four called the oh. Terrifics? They figured, like, because Fantastic Four, for some reason, like, they just stopped making it, it was, wasn't their property, right? It was a Fox property, it was Sony. And uh, it was Fox, I think. And Fox was making these movies, or whoever was making these movies, Sony or what have you. It wasn't Marvel Disney. Mm-hmm. And what I always heard was that the Marvel comics just didn't even bother with Fantastic Four because they weren't making money off of the movies or anything like that. So the actual comic wasn't around for a bit. It's back. There's a very elaborate storyline with uh, uh, Reed and Susan's kids, uh, uh-huh. Valeria and uh, Franklin. And Franklin's like a super genius who becomes the next watcher. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Boy, he, he gave birth to something that was a kid who was going to go places. Yeah, right, right, right. But I always felt bad watching these uh, Marvel Disney movies where uh, the smartest scientist is V is no Tony Stark, and the, the richest scientist is, well, the Wasp guy. But you know what I mean? Like, they never. Uh, Reed Richards. Reed Richards has the money and the technology. Reed Richards right. should be building this Spider-Man suit. It's Reed Richards. Instead of um, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, right, yeah. yeah. Well, that would have been a much, much better... Uh, that would have made a lot more sense, and they wouldn't have had to... I don't know, they wrecked up Spider-Man's... Okay, wait, I gotta stop. Look, okay. this is her. Now she's not 14. Okay, I guess she's 24 now. Right, 10 years later. So that would make him, let's see, if he's a grad student, he had to be over 22. He's in his 30s. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, he's like 36 or something to her 24. So he, okay, this makes no sense again in the real world. Ben Grimm is like, if I'm going to pilot. No, he doesn't even say that. They just show up at their house to get these two kids to be their team. They're in the rocket ship. 
Yeah, goes, why not? Well, he says they're not astrophysicists, and then Ben Grimm says they know more about this project than anyone alive. But don't you think it's a big coincidence that the monarch who gets his face defigured and becomes Doctor Doom happens to be the best friend of the guy who started Fantastic Four? I mean, all oh, this is crap. It's like an origin story to me. Yeah, how about this? If one thing happens somewhere, one thing happens somewhere else, and maybe they meet. It's what a coincidence. It's like, wow, your best friend is Lex Luthor. <laughs> what a coincidence! He's this trying to stop you. This looks like Men in Black, I think. Men in White. The building, the building. Oh, the building. Now, you... about to meet the mole, who is not the mole. He's the jeweler. Okay. Oh, is he popping his head? Yes, he is out of the sewer pipes. He looks like the But the thing is, <clears throat> I think the mole in the films was solitary, right? He didn't have minions, did he? I think he had minions, including oh. that big monster from the cover. Yeah, kinda... um... You know, I get the mole man mixed up with the mole from Mad Magazine, the guy who kind of like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the big nose. nose, that ugly yeah. nose. Okay, so Ben Grimm has just clumsily knocked into some lady who's dropped her <clears throat> statue. Is she because it's what's her name? Allison? His, his love of his life? Great guess. It's Alicia. Alicia. Yes, you know exactly who it is. So now they're going to meet each other, and then Ben's Grimm's going to be like, I'm in love. Now, this is acting. Because she's blind, she's got to feel Ben's face. Now, she got this job. She went to the audition, and there were all these, you know, she was a stage actress, and there were all these, like, beautiful models there. And she's like, I'm the way I'm getting this. And when she, they had her do a very emotional scene, and she did it, and they're like, wow, you can really act. So she figured out all these models. I mean, they're yeah. eye candy. She got the jump. <clears throat> you know, you don't want her to be eye candy. It's, it's such a ridiculous thing, anyway. Like the, the point is, like in the seventies, at least she was blind, and right. that's why she loved the thing because the th and the, the thing felt that because right. she the deformity, see. right, right. But the thing felt it. Like she, she never really had that issue because she obviously knew she was dating the thing. She could right. feel that she was hugging a rock. Right. It's not like, oh, I can't see your face. I can't tell you're a giant rock fan. Now, look, see the mole? Yes. He's taking a liking to our Alicia. Oh, this is complicated. So much so that he wants her to be his queen. Oh, the jeweler queen, of course. Ridiculous. Of course. That makes no sense. If you've talked about this before, how like the world is its own little universe, and you were just saying before, oh, it just coincidentally, Doctor Doom gets burned by the, you know, oh, you're right. Lex Luthor's boyhood friend. Oh, what a coincidence! <clears throat> Here's That's our goons again, ten years later. They're looking good. They must have some good goon insurance. <laughs> That's right. It could be they're looking good because really it wasn't 10 years later. It was like the next day of filming. This took 25 days to shoot. But they never released this movie. That's right. We, you know, anytime you want the history of this movie, and we talked about it the first year of our show when we watched it, and it's in the documentary, which makes it so fascinating. The story of this movie is the movie is good, but the story is even better. You know, and I have to give credit to the movie that the movie's entertaining on its own, but yeah, without the backstory. Yeah. 
Now this crystal here, remember I told you like it was too much energy from Colossus and it right. started frying the circuits and gave them the, you know, so that's why they got the whammy jammy. Well, now they've got anti whammy jammy crystal. All the power will go into the crystal and then be distributed out to the machinery and it will have cooled. Colossus will have cooled and they can harness the energy. The old anti whammy jammy gun. Uh, a crystal, excuse me, crystal. Right now. Well, they're going to cut it with fentanyl and sell it for toys. And, uh, <laughs> Look at that big, like, close up of a stop sign of a right. traffic light. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon called. He wants his bat single bat. <laughs> And the logo. So this um, burned Eichiger. Do I say it right? Burned Eichiger, right? He went to, he worked for Constantini Films and he was a big wig over there. And he went to Stan Lee and was like, you know, in 80, what is it? 80, it's not in front of me right now, but it was in the 80s. And he said, we would like to make Fantastic Four. Now, back then, there was the Hulk on TV. You know what I mean? There was that right. Spider-Man. Like, they weren't making blockbuster movies. We watched the, we, we watched, uh, the Spider-Man TV show was repurposed into a theatrically released European movie. Yeah. We watched that version. Uh, Howard the Duck is a famous bad movie. That's always considered the first Marvel movie uh, made. Uh, it's terrible, but it, it's on YouTube, too. Did you already watch it in your past life? Did you uh, already yeah. see it on the show? None of the show we haven't done. My YouTube stopped, Carl. Okay. So I should pause? Yeah. I think there was like a power outage. In the... I'm at uh, 2203. Okay, hang on a second. Yeah, there was just a, an outage. The light went out and uh, the TV went out. Neighbors don't want to hear this. They can't handle the truth. I have the window open behind me. There was a cat sticking its head in the window. Really? Not your cat? No, my cat. My cat was... Oh, okay. Um, so I'm at 2203. What about you? I'm waiting to... I'm rebooting up my machine. Oh, okay. I'm going to pause. What happened? Oh, and I'll press go. Three, two... Okay, 2303. Three... 2203 for those editing at home, Carl. 2203. Three, two, one, go. So the collector is coming up to Ben Grimm's girlfriend, who's not his girlfriend yet. Well, the mole man guy, the jeweler. The jeweler. It's so interesting. I like when, when superhero movies come up with their own heroes. <laughs> right? They're like, fuck it. Sure, I can do uh, Wonder Woman's front, uh, villains, or I'll just come up with my own. What the hell? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. We're already shooting. So, <laughs> I mean, they didn't have the rights to this. Just Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. They didn't have the Mole Man. In 1986, they spent $250,000. They gave it to Marvel and got the rights to this. But then it was scheduled to expire at the last second of 1992, December 31, they wouldn't give them an extension because they got some interest now in bigger. So the only way he could keep the rights, Constantini Films, was to start going into production of the movie, okay? 
then that they they had you know they it didn't expire because they were in production so so then he called on trauma films first and had a lot of discussions with them but trauma didn't want to touch it because the fantastic four is beloved and to make a movie of it it wasn't going to be celebrated you know comic people were going to hate it he thought now, hang on a second. When you say he thought, you're talking about Lloyd Kaufman, head of Trauma Films, on right. the documentary, saying, taking a deep breath of fresh air before speaking and mm-hmm. sucking all the oxygen out of the room, right? Yeah. All right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, too bad Trauma didn't make a Fantastic Four. I would definitely watch that as well. I probably won't. If it's Trauma, I probably won't be able to make through it. <laughs> <laughs> we only saw one Trauma film. We watched Trauma's War. Right, right. Which is an all-on assault, which, by the way, boy, my sides are still hurting from laughing that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mole Man has snuck into their ship, and he took the real crystal, and he gave him the fake one. Because he wants the real one. Look at him jumping through the lasers. Who's looking out? Dr. Doom is watching him. Yeah, because Dr. Doom was going to... Take the crystal? Right. And then this guy just did it. So he's, Doom is like, ha ha, thank you for doing the job for me. We'll it's just pretty, now get it from you. It's very hard for me to sit through this as a Cool Keith fan and not think of Cool Keith's Dr. Doom's album, which just has four O's in it or like five O's, Dr. Doom, including the classic song, Dr. Doom is in the room. <laughs> Dr. Doom is in the room. Is that what was that gloom? No, okay, here we are. Wow, they must have spent their entire budget on this. Right, on buying the stock footage from NASA. Right. Good news, I got stock footage from NASA. Bad news is the Space Shuttle Challenger. Good night, people. Now, Corman was the next one he called, or maybe they talked at the same time. I don't know. <clears throat> Corman was like, hell yeah, we'll do it. A million dollars? No problem. No problem. I really think that Corman and uh, Carpalipolo burned really were going to release this thing. They just they had to make it, you know. I kind of don't know what's in burned Burned's mind, you know. But Corman was going to release it. It was going to be a film that he thought was going to go to theater. But in actuality, they just needed something in production so legally they can keep the rights to Fantastic Four. Yeah, you see this burned Echiger. He's the same guy who made the real ones, Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he must have, so he succeeded. He was able to hold on to the... the uh, yeah, and he did Fantastic Four and he did the Rise of the Silver Surfer. Right, which to be credited to you are both terrible movies. This is yeah, so much absolutely. better. Well, I don't know that this is better. This is old-fashioned, corny, go, let's go to space with the special effects. Well, that was the comic book. Now, look, the crystal is bullshit, so they're gonna, again, get the whammy-jammy, just like Victor. How did the jeweler find a gem that looked exactly like the gem? (laughs) And if he found it, why couldn't he find the uh, real gem, the other half of the other? I don't know. This is what I would say it doesn't make sense in the real world, but since you said it, I have the urge to go... 
hey, it's a movie. You got to forgive an old couple. No, you're right. It's bullshit. Look, there's the whammy jammy in action. See those colors? It's like right. 1964, 65. Oh, this is before 2001 came out in 68? <laughs> yeah, right. Look at this. That's another like 60 psychedelia. Like the whammy jammy's really fucking with them. Now, was it the same gamma rays that the Hulk got on Earth? Well, yeah, in space, it was gamma rays in the comic book. Right. And gamma rays, pretty much everything. You know, the spider, the spider on Spider-Man was just radioactive, okay? It, it was a gamma rays? No, it wasn't a gamma <laughs> But it got Bruce Banner belted by gamma rays, turned right. into the Hulk. What about the Fantastic Four theme yep. song? Look at that. They're dead. Fantastic hey. Four died. And Doom's going, ah, 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 How can he watch that? Where is he watching that? Because He's from sitting his own room. Ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And he would have a camera inside of Reed Richards' spaceship and see the mole guy. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. He had a satellite follow the spaceship, so the satellite fed the video yep. to Doom's closed-circuit television set right in the throne room. Which was not at the same angle as the throne. It was very obnoxious watching the TV because you had it like turned like this. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. There was no TV in front of him when you see him on the throne. No, it's, it's on the side. So you have to actually sit like this on the throne and or, oh. or, or get out of the Like, what's the point of having a throne if it's not facing the TV? <laughs> I'm the king of the castle, Alice. I'm the king. Turn my throne towards the TV, young lady. Ralph. We can only fit the flat of TV set on this side of the of our apartment, Ralph. The other side is the fire escape. Oh, uh, Norton, why'd you give me this widescreen TV? <laughs> I wanted one right on the right on the dresser here in the kitchen. You know, yes, the dresser wrong. right here in the kitchen. You walk in the house and there's a dresser. It's outrageous. Now you know that I know that you know that a TV set could fit right on the dresser. I liked my vacuum tube. Chubby, black and white TV. Hello. Okay, so they've crashed, right? But look at the ship. It's all fucked up, but they're perfectly fine. Actually, his hair is even better. I think they got a haircut for the, uh, for the accident. It looks like he's, his hair makes him look like he already burst into flames. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, he's Johnny Storm. Now, come on, like. These superheroes are ridiculous. What are you going to do? Walk around the streets of New York on fire? Flame on! Like what? All of Manhattan is covered with spider webs and then flames. <laughs> oh, let's go. That's a cross out. No problem. Now, in one of the Avengers movies, it like talks about that, like how innocent people get killed and. You know, because sure. the Avengers roll into town and fucking fight some robot and everybody, you know. Oh, Ultron fucked up some fictitious country, right? Yep, yep. yep. Where we from? Into space. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Uh, Ultron. Ultron. <laughs> There's a whole civil war based on that. But nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, so now it's like Sue is invisible. And they're Whoa. like, what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? Oh, there's this. Ha uh, ha! Uh -huh. I'm the better sibling. <laughs> so this woman was the con costume designer 
or is it a band? And the name is Raviv Richards. Isn't that funny? Like, it's, yeah. it's not Reed Richards. Okay, so in 93, he went to a place called Golden Apple Comics, a store on Melrose right. Avenue. Right down the street. And he went to buy Fantastic Four comic books for research. And I don't know, he's buying them and talking or whatever. And so he's he explained that he was the costume designer for this new thing. He's got to do the research. So, like, they all swarmed him. And we're like, are you going to do justice to this? He goes, well, that's why I'm buying the comics. Yeah, I'm reading up on it. Anita. Reeve Richards. Do you have any Marvel comics, my good sir? Marvel. I'm looking for comics of the detective sort. Would you please? I'm making a movie based on the Fantastic Four. What's your budget? Oh, money is an object. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, money's no object. No, money is an object. Okay, so they're kind of stranded here, and they're going to go through a lot of stuff. But I just want to explain something before it happens. An army's going to show up, but you got to know that they're a fake army. They're really Dr. Doom's, I don't know. Did they land in Doomlandia? They didn't land in Doomlandia. They land, I don't know where they landed, but they got found by Doom first, so he pretended the military found. Well, because, I mean, if, if Jeff Bezos sent the rocket out in space, <laughs> you know the police will be there when it crashes. <laughs> I got it for him. Fantastic Four is such a terrible live-action idea. You got a man on fire, then you got a guy who looks like I took my crayons when I was six and I drew a big rock monster. <laughs> right? Like... This movie has no budget, so I'm going to give it a hard pass on whatever the thing's going to look like in this film, right? <laughs> but I've seen the Fantastic Four movie in the sequel. Yeah. Michael Chiklis looks ridiculously mm-hmm. stupid in that green outfit. And then, uh, have you seen the last Fantastic Four yeah, movie? Yeah, the Silver Server. No, no, no. After that, there was a, a reboot remake. I'll have to watch it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or no, I shouldn't have to watch Oh, uh, definitely, yeah, you definitely want to get the DVD for Netflix of that one. <laughs> well, if I can't stream it anywhere. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, check the dumpster. Have you checked, like, uh, not Redbox, but Dumpster Fire? They might have it. It's terrible. It's really lethargic. It's just boring. And, uh-huh. Oh, the only interesting thing in that movie, well, Michael B. Jordan's in it, and uh, he's Johnny Storm. Oh, Michael B. Jordan? I, I mean, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. Yeah, we saw it. It didn't suck. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. It didn't suck. Um, Way down in Louisiana, close to... New- What's his name? What's his name? Michael B. Moore. What's his name? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Way down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. Up into the woods and the evergreens. Lived the country boy never could read so good. You know the song. Jordan Michael, B. Jordan. Michael Jordan be good. <laughs> Johnny be good, yes. Jordan uh-huh. be good. Let me try that at the open mic. I gotta write it. Okay. Hey, well that's I wish you best of luck. <laughs> Jordan be good. Johnny be good. All right. Michael B. Jordan. Okay. So there was this guy at Marvel. His name was Avi something who I just know that's an Israeli name. And he was going to, you know, 
make the big uh, budget Fantastic Four with Eichinger. And so he was the one who called up Roger Corman and said, look, I will pay you a million dollars. You just stop. Don't release the film. Cut everything off. And so Corman said, okay. And he explained why. I was gonna, I'm going to make a big budget. I can't have this dirtying the wa- polluting the waters. It would. I would. Do you feel that way if this came out? Uh, no. I think it would have been fun to come out. I think this was the time. Look how she's getting so passionate. She's rubbing the clay on her lips. Right. Now she's going to get abducted and stolen by the minions of the Molbad. In the moment, has minions. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, headsmen and minions. The jeweler. I don't know. This jeweler. It's unimpressive his credits. He's a English actor. Um, stage and television, successful career in the States, uh, West End on Broadway across America. He appeared in the U.S. as Young Victor Company. I, I guess he, he was a – he was in some movies. He was on, in a TV movie, Alice Through the Looking Glass. He was in Joseph and the Amazing Tele- uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know. He's got some chops. This is a delivery person, and we're having flirting. Yeah, yeah. This is really but it's kinda... one-sided. Well, so the, the movie, the other movie, the last one was Josh Trank directed it. But wow. what I always amazed me about it, and I'm looking for, is that uh, Sue Storm and then I guess the dad, like uh, Dr. Frank, Franklin Storm, uh, they were both in House of Cards. And I was like, Wow. I just sat through House of Cards and two of the actors are in it. I got that feeling like we have premium cable and then you watch like a show that's only on premium cable and they show up in a movie and you go, oh, that's those guys from that premium cable show I paid to watch. <laughs> what am I? Oh, what a ripoff this movie is. Now that's, it's the Sue Storm one you saw, right? Yeah. yeah. She is a, she was like a Ford agency model or something, but she got onto Guiding Light and her career took off. I mean, she was on Beverly Hills uh, 90120 and Seinfeld and Garmin Greg. The Sue Storm in which movie? Desperate Housewives in this movie that we're watching now. Perfect. Well, that's one thing I really liked about the documentary is that they gave the actors ample time to talk about this because. They yeah. were being led on, and they were encouraging them to go to these conventions and lead on their fans. No, and, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I-, I think that Roger Corman thought it was going to release. Right, but okay, I, sure. So Roger Corman. Okay, after they made the film, the post production kind of remember yeah. it halted, and I think maybe why would Corman do that? But there was a point where they were. I mean, maybe they were really. They really did feel this movie was coming out. And they yeah. went to these conventions and, uh, you know, most no- notorious, which I really liked from the documentary, and I mentioned this the first time around, was that it was on the cover of a magazine I would go to, like, Tower Records and buy back in the day, cool. Film Threat. And it was on the cover of Film Threat magazine, the Fantastic Four, Roger Corman production, and it was the only magazine that was covering it. And it gave that it credibility. Whole, that guy was there the whole shooting, remember? He said he was there because he was really a fan. Right, the, the the publisher film thread was given access, so he was like the voice telling. This is of course before the internet, but it you know yeah. it was like 
you would read about it in Film Threat magazine. So you would get your news from Film Threat. It legitimized this. Somebody along the line knew that this would not be released uh, ultimately. And well, that that thing came out right at the. Remember, he was there for the whole filming. I think. I think that everyone thought it was going to be theatrical released, even Roger Corman at that point. Right. And don't forget, Carnosaur around that time came out as a theatrically released. It, you know, his films were theatrically released. Yeah, you know, what's funny is is what we're seeing right now, a lot of it is um, recycled Carnosaur sets. Really? Yeah. That was in the documentary we saw. Oh, my God. Well, we also watched Carnosaur. Yeah. L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, what a disgusting. So it wasn't it just was the disgusting film. Yeah, it wasn't just carnosaurs on the loose. Diane Lamb figured a way to make women get impregnated by carnosaurs. Yeah, just by getting the virus. Yeah, you know, the the DNA was in you. I mean, after I saw that film, my carna was sore. Oh man, talk about a carnosaur. Oof. Okay, now. They're like they all know they have powers now, except Ben Grimm is not a freak yet. Okay, so okay. they all know they have powers now. Look, it looks like the army's showing up now. If this is really doom tricking them, that guy's American accent is excellent. He goes, "Begging your pardon, sir." I mean, it's excellent. You know, they taught him in Latvia how to do an American accent. Right, Latvia. Oh, they got the flags and everything. They're Right, we're America. Hi, home. Oh, Homer, sit. You look like Homer. Right. Hey, dude. Yeah. What are you, Bart? Now they say, "Oh no, fire at that ugly monster thing." There he is. I'm Ben Grimm. I'm oblivious that I'm a rock. Hey guys, boy, great to shake off those gamma rays. Tell you, I was dreading them. I've got your new nickname. It's Rocky. <laughs> Don't you dare call me Rocky. He's got that's, the teeth. That's what the Clancy Street gang should have done. He hated the Clancy Street gang. Yeah. They would throw bottles at him. Rocks. Okay, so there's an anatomic space, you know, helmet he's wearing. And and he like he's moving the mouth, but you see how the lip moves and stuff. Right, yeah. You saw it in the documentary, right? Right. It, it, it's all mechanical, and apparently they did a good job. It you think it hurt the guy? It didn't hurt the guy, did it? No, I think he, the guy bitches about the not bitches. I mean, it's legitimate. It's a it's hot. Here it is. Uh, Claro found the suit to be the hottest fucking thing he ever wore. He was this guy's a big stunt man. It's not the same actor. The actor who plays Ben Grimm is oh, not right. who we're seeing on screen right now. Well, that's a relief, right? <laughs> you don't have to wear the suit. I'll, I'll do anything right act. Okay, well, you got to wear a suit. Uh... As a matter of fact, they work together a lot. Like, to, what? How would you do it? Like, what are your mannerisms? Sure. That's yeah. They did. <laughs> You see that a lot sometimes, like Doom Patrol. They have a guy voiced by uh, Brendan Gleese, uh, Fraser. So it's like, wow, Brendan Fraser. But it, for most time, it's someone else, you know, acting. So here is a bunch of funny. Wait, are you talking about Brendan Fraser? 
Hurry uh, Doom, He's on Doom, Doom Patrol. He plays the voice of a robot. So it's a live action guy in a robot suit, but it's the voice is him. So he must do it at a certain point. Well, I'm glad he's getting work. That's really cool. I yeah. just love him. Oh, he's terrific. He's the best part of that show. And now we're getting a bunch of jokes. You know, have a seat. Seat collapses. You know, I'm going to take a blood sample. Not sure how I'm going to no. do it. Hey, thanks for coming to my – I'm Alec Baldwin. Thanks for coming to my podcast, Here's the Thing. It's basically we're going to talk about you, the thing. So here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> here's the thing. Right yeah. now. There he is. There he is. He's right Ladies there. Okay, now. Here's the thing. Now Ladies here's the thing. Come. Uh, clobbering dive. <laughs> that would be cool. I hate that phrase, unless the thing actually smashes through the wall after you say it. Yeah. Yeah. Now Johnny figures out he says flame on and flame off. I guess we figured out the magic words, Doc. Really? Like a Shazam moment? <laughs> yeah. And thank God only burned his hand. Otherwise, his jacket would have caught on fire. Now, when I was first watching this thing, I was like, this is cheap. We never see him fly like in the comic. And then at the end, they satisfy. He oh, really yeah. Flies. This looks like a commercial for like a Activision game. Like, you ready to beat the doctor? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Activision presents Dr. Needles on Atari 2600. What? Whoa! Like, <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Pretty funny, you know. Yeah, that's the thing with this movie. No one's terrible in this film. They all do their job. Yeah. And in this documentary, you know, they really get the sense. I mean, they each have their, like, personalities we got to deal with. But you get the sense from the documentary. Uh, they all were very genuine. It was going to be a step up. You see, that's Latvia, and it's the castle. And that's really where they're being held. They think they're on an army base. Right, yeah. They think they're at, like, Cape Canaveral or Fort Knox. Right. Victor Von Doom. Dr. Doom is in the room. So what he's saying right now is, you know, they come to the conclusion they're going to suck out the the Colossus power out of the four of them and put it all into Doom. And he'll be like the uber-ultra being. Right. Oh, I see. That's stupid. <laughs> That's not Doom. <laughs> he wants to rub it into Reed's face. <laughs> Well, he wanted Reed, you know, to get killed, and he was going to take the uh, jewel from the jeweler so that he could have his own whammy jammy steal the Colossus energy, okay? I guess he has to wait 10 years. It's not really explained. Right, that's the thing, right? Like, what's the rush now? Yeah. He should have planned to take it and used it during the 10 years. Well, what's happening right now is he's kind of doesn't need Colossus because he can steal it from the Fantastic Four. Because what he's got is his own whammy jammy sucker machine, and it now, tickles their chest and sucks out their power. Is that the same actor under that mask? Yeah, it's the guy we saw as Young Victor. Up oh, the henchman, looking good, looking good, looking good. Nice yes. perm. Guys look like uh, Walton Goggles and, I don't know. It's not a screenwriter friend. What is it? There's that stupid English cartoon, like Grommel and... Oh, right, yeah, Wallace and Gromit. Gromit. I shouldn't say stupid. It's not stupid. I enjoyed it very much, but I'm just looking back on it, thinking of it now, and stupid came to mind. 
Well, that's because you're an adult and you don't have a kid <laughs> in the room. But yeah, no, it's good stuff. Plus, it's his cheese, and there was a wrong trousers, and there was like a wear rabbit bunny, and there was a. That was a good one. Wear yeah. rabbit. Okay, so right now they're going to see the jeweler to say, we'll give you money for that jewel. And like the henchmen are like, you know, they're surrounding them and stuff. Oh, I don't know. Anytime God. these guys are around, it's a comedic moment. You see, I don't like that about the film. Sometimes Dr. Doom is comedic. Like he's a goofy uh, monarch. And other times when he's around the Fantastic Four, he's fucking serious and he's the evil man, you know? You know, when he, you know, he talks to his minions and it sounds dopey. Well, you know, I guess, I guess like Fantastic Four never existed in a, in a vacuum. I mean, I guess it did ultimately with, with the, but because in the 60s, it came out during like, I don't know, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. They was the Avengers and the Iron Man. And they, yeah. they had like other people to bounce off of. Uh, but I guess in this movie and in the Sony movies, they just, they weren't part of that universe. Yeah, that's right. It, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is made by some other film conglomerate corporation right. than but, uh, Fantastic Four. Was. Well, they've been always like teasing that they're going to reintroduce the Fantastic Four in the movies and have the guy from The Office play Reed Richards. Well, uh, I think it's actually a very good time for them to – they need some life in Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because what are they, they going to do? They're going to be like, hey uh, – Unbeknownst to you, I too am a super scientist, billionaire, genius with my own building in New York City. But well, I waited for Tony Stark to die. Okay, wouldn't it be neat if their first film, uh, I guess you got to have the origin backstory, but I'm saying by the end yeah. of the film, they're on like the observation side of this Thanos bullshit, right? And they, so the first movie would be about them dealing as superheroes with half the population missing or whatever. Right, maybe one maybe of them is missing. Two. Yeah, or something like that. And and do you remember that scene at the end when they're all, you know, like all the superheroes in the world come out to fight Thanos? Right. You, They could be just some boots on the ground and we see the ending scene from their perspective, you know, with them, what's over the hill? Come on, Reed, you know, and and then Sue will come back. Sue, you know. She'll be like, hey, they said this open mic was an open mic, but I, I the raffle is bullshit. They picked my name. I was like 32. I think they did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. They don't know me. It was the superhero open mic, right? Yeah, superhero open mic. And we're going to do a bucket. We're going to do a bucket. Uh, number 39, Sue Storm. <laughs> well, the first one bullshit. First one picked was uh, Thanos because when they yeah. all came, they were looking at him, so it was all comedians in the audience. And then number two is Anthony Quinn. Number three was the Wasp. <laughs> it's a bit rigged. It was rigged. Okay, so now they've abducted Alicia, and they're like, we want the diamond, and he goes, no, it's for my girlfriend, and there's this funny scene where they pull out guns to threaten them, and then the whole room pulls out guns on them. Oh, all right. It appears to outnumbered. So they kick them out. One of the best things about Fantastic Four was when they weren't the four Fantastic Four. There was a robot in uh, one of the animated series. They they couldn't license oh, one of the characters. Yeah, the Human Torch was replaced by Robbie the Robot kind of little guy. Yeah, it was like Herbie or like he was Fantastic Five. Mm -hmm. And also in the comics, uh, She-Hulk was a member. 
I don't remember that. Well, you should I, check out the mm-hmm. Terrifics, right? The DC comic. It has Plastic Man. It has Professor <laughs> Mr. Terrific. It has like uh, this girl who's a ghost who kind of is invisible. And then it has like this big hulking guy. Is that Water Man instead of. Yeah, they have Water Man. They said, the fuck you. Marvel, if you're not going to do Fantastic Four, we'll do one. <laughs> so they're like, okay, he said no, Dr. Doom. So Doom was like, I will take care of this personally. He's going to get the, the, um, maybe the crystal is needed to suck the whammy jammy out of them. Mike. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's not about waiting 10 years. Well, yeah, they're going to keep him in the castle for 10 years. No, right, right now they're. Whoa, Batman! That wipe, yeah, that was for fighting. Instead of spending the money on a fight scene, they did that. So they knocked out the guards because they're starting to. Well, they don't know it's doom or anything, but like something's not right. Right. Yeah, man, the Fantastic Four movie with Michael Chiklis wearing a trench coat. And he's like in the rain in the alley, and he's like yeah. seeing his girlfriend with someone else. He's like all sad or whatever yeah. it was. It was just like That's straight out of Kirby, by the way. Oh yeah, and he's kind of pouring rain on you. Yeah, it's pouring rain in the alleyway as the thing is, you know, going through some personal trauma, and then clank, clank, bam on the side of his head. The yo, he clancy screen boy. <laughs> See you later, Rocky. Don't call me that. But they all talked in that like curvy Brooklynese, or they're like, "Yo, we're the newspaper boys, the newsies, we're the newsy corps." Yeah, hey, they call me Mumbles. I don't know, they call me Mumbles. And uh, uh, my name is Flipper. I I like to, I have a scuba gear. Everything I say is Flipper. Maybe we can go in the water. Not yet, Scuba Man. The guy, he's got his hat sideways. Yeah, right. And he talks like this. Yay. They call me the Mouth. We're sorry we're so hard on you. The News Legion boy just like, and then they go fight in World War II. Because Kirby, like, he had a guy, like, him and his partner, they, they were cranking out World War II comics, mm-hmm. including Captain, the original Captain America and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Mariner was in it. Yeah, and it was like the News Boys, the News Legion or something. And then when he went back to D.C. in the 70s, he said, you know what, I'm going to take my old character that I did, bring him back. The newsies. You know, uh, preteens from the 40s really got a bad rap with this fucking play called Newsies because now they all, you think they all sell the paper. I mean, it, do you remember uh, the Baxter Boys with Satch and Moe? Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, those are the real, like, like that's what we should be calling, not Newsies, we should be calling them, uh, what was the name of that gang? They were all in the gang. Now you lost me, man. The Bowery Boy. The back. Oh, the ba- oh, the, the dead Bowery. end street. Yeah, the Bowery Boys. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm just bemoaning the fact that Newsies fucked that up for the people of that era. Oh, I, thank God! They, you mean now we can't watch the the dead end street kids or whatever they was. No, but uh, now, like anytime you see some kid from the 40s, like a nine yeah. years old or something, you, you think, think the Christian Bale singing a number. Yeah. Listen, I miss I miss newsies. How how do I know when the e- early evening edition is out, right? I don't. It used to be some kid would just tell me extra, extra. Where's the web? 
Someone got shot. We got a picture. Early edition. Early evening edition. Yeah. Oh, the early evening edition's out. <laughs> Late in the evening edition. Final evening edition. The evening paper wasn't the paper of the day. It was like one extra section printed that had some breaking news shit, you know? Yeah, usually it's like breaking news and then it's just repurposed. Yeah, and second edition wasn't out every day. It was a fucking newsworthy day, like the presidential election or something. I don't know. Like the newspapers were so dense with information. It wasn't like mm -hmm. that was where people, the information all came through there. Yep. Okay, so now what we're getting is like we're learning his plot. You guys aren't going anywhere. I'm going to suck the juice out of you. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. Now, for some stupid reason, and, and the writers weren't rookies, he's going to pull the super the supervillain thing of leaving the room and having his henchmen do it. Oh, right. Plus the Fantastic Four kicked their ass. He is royalty. He's not going to get his hands dirty. No, but... He's got whammy jammy powers and stuff, you know. But they don't realize that like Bob Odekirk from Nobody is in the house. <laughs> he looks like nobody. He's nobody. He's Mr. Nobody. Who are you? I'm nobody. Punch me a couple of times so I can kick you back. I don't know about that, old man. Now the actors themselves were the ones who like were doing the promotion and paying for the promotion. Right. When this thing got was in post-production like they stopped spending money on it they weren't rushing to edit it you know and they weren't promoting it they had to like guerrilla warfare edit it on their own and um they like you had said before they went to they did a movie uh, they went to comic conventions and they did this like premiere in which they showed the trailer yeah and they were gonna open it at mall of america in minnesota Okay, so apparently this Avi guy was in Puerto Rico, and he had a Fantastic Four T-shirt on because he wanted to make the big budget Fantastic Four films. And this kid on this on in the in the you know hotel or whatever said, "Hey, are you going to the Fantastic Four premiere?" And Avi was like, "What Fantastic Four premiere?" So that's when he called Roger Corman and said, "Look, I'll give you a bunch of money. Don't do this. Don't make it. Cease and desist. Halt." And that's when Corman called it off, and it wasn't premiered. Wow. But then it didn't stop, because this is, you know, this was after Newsies, but before the internet. So what we had was bootleg <laughs> copies, and that's how people knew about it. In yeah. 1994, if you wanted to see this movie, you would go to a hipster video store, like right. a Tongue in San Francisco or the, or the Other Eye and Third Eye, and then they would have it for rent, and it would be like, this is it. This is the bootleg 1994 Roger Corman Fantastic Four. <laughs> bootleg, it, exactly. Yeah. And it would be like, it would be of this quality, if not even worse, like sixth generation dubbed. Yeah, uh, only the say. director says that he brought it to a dub house to, you know, like they would print out mass copies of stuff for the major film. He said, look, I just need two or three copies of this. He says that's probably the day it got leaked. They took it and some co copy guy was like cool fantastic, yeah, fantastic four. Four. i'm getting a copy of this and because they didn't have the negatives that's why uh, the only copy that Oli had was not from the negatives it was a kind of crappy one but he was right. like that's all he had so he's like dub this please and that's why it was born bad looking right yeah which is it's fine 
it works. Works so in now, favor. Yeah. Now stupid Doom comes in the room. It's like, what happened here? God damn it. Guys, I turned my back and suddenly there's a four logo. We're back in the Baxter building. This won't stand. I gave no, 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 no. you had one job. You had one job. Kill the Fantastic Four. How can you fuck that up? I left the room. I closed the door on you. I, 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 that reminds me of Superman three when he's on the phone with Reed with uh Ryan, Richard Pryor. Yeah. And he's like, I ask you to kill Superman. <laughs> you can't even do that one little thing. Yeah. Right. All I ask is you be in a room with the thing, a man who will burn you on fire, a woman who will choke you to death when you least expect it. So and a guy who will trip you. Of- this doesn't make sense anymore in the world again. Like, they're out of Latvia, and boom, they're home. And like, back the I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, it would be like if it was, I don't know, you'd, you'd call the cops and say, Boy, I was abducted. I mean, you know what I mean? It was just like, we got, we got away. You're right where he knows where you. I you know, saw the movie. Me. They were in Latvia. There was a four logo went right into the screen, and Woo! then you're back at home. <laughs> what, what, what? I don't understand. What do you want? It got from A to B with thanks to the number four. <laughs> I so, love that hair leg. Right now, like Sue was getting all sweet, saying, "Look, if anything happens, like she, she was almost about to say, I love you.' You know what I mean?" And he go, he goes, "Why am I so shy around you?" And he goes, "What'd you say? Why am I so shy around you? Shy? That's why you turn invisible." You're a hothead, Johnny. That's why you flame on. Yeah, it's so corny. And you're a rock hard erection. And that's why you're the thing. (laughs) You always used to use brute strength when scientific know-how would have gotten you there quicker, Ben. So he's saying Colossus took, you know, our DNA was altered. He's got the blood. He says Colossus took, like, what's the worst of us and turned it into a strength. Reed, that's such a stretch. Exactly. Exactly. See, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> On the nose. <laughs> yeah. They're going to so- do the superhero. They're going to do the superhero open mic. There's nobody here, Reed. Go up, do time, stretch, stretch. <laughs> Well, that's been my time. Think that it show up. Stretch, read, stretch. <laughs> stretch. Stretch. Yeah, then here, ladies of the thing. Okay, guys, here's the thing. That's my catchphrase. So the same time, that mute, that magazine article you talked about said it was going to be released on Labor Day weekend, 93. And I guess. Right. But in the end, the Mall of America was set for January 1994. And sure. so, yeah, but before they put the halt on it. Well, that magazine was shady at best. So it was always interesting to see his side. Like he got roped into it. You know, it wasn't like he knew this wasn't going to happen. It, it happened. But they, I do feel like somebody higher up knew this would never get off the ground. No one well, knew going. They they approached Troma and they approached Corman. They did it because they they had to get something off the ground to extend the rights. And all yeah. he had to do was go into production. Yeah, I mean you're talking about a million dollars for something that's worth billions. 
Well, if he always knew, it's very possible. But I just think, oh, wait, I, I just think that uh, Corman didn't know. This was this is not our actor, and it's not our stuntman. It's oh. just got right. They when they were editing, they realized the thing says, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." But where does he go? The next thing you know, he's with Mole Man. So they had to do a middle thing in which he walks the earth. So this is not our actor. Wow, it's a different thing. Right, and this was done after everything was shot, and it was you know months later when they were this editing. Movie, this movie has some complexities to it there's so many things yeah you know probably every movie does and we just never know it this one didn't get launched and these people felt ripped off so that's why we know about it you know right. well part of it was like the bootleg kind of went about yeah uh, one thing i like about the documentary it was showing the bootlegs like the ones yeah. that were selling at conventions the ones that they were selling at, at record stores or whatever You know, the premise of our podcast is that these are movies that we just read about or I read about mm -hmm. and never had a chance to see. And it's so great to have it on YouTube. Absolutely. And uh... <laughs> oh, the outfits. You guys Everything... like it? I ripped off the Incredibles. Seven eyes, <laughs> four. No, she sewed them herself, you know. So... And, and they're just waiting for Ben to come back. Now, in 2005, Stan Lee said out loud in front of a whole crowd of people that the movie was never supposed to be shown to anybody. And the cast and crew had been left unaware. He says that. Yeah, then, I know. But then Eichinger dismissed Lee's claims, stating that we had a contract to release it, and I had bought out that contract. I was, you know, they, they bought out that contract. And he says later, Lee's version of the events is definitely not true. It was our original intention to make a B movie, that's for sure. But when the movie was there, we wanted to release it. So he claims no. And this Avi from Marvel was the one who put the halt on everything. Huh. But, the, but the actors still feel like... It was never supposed to be. Okay, this again, this was all filmed after it was shot. That's not our actor, and and I don't think they're credited. I don't know. But what we've got now is the mole man finding the thing. See, the next – I'll tell you when it's back to our regular actor. Yeah, okay, from this point on, we're back to the regular film. That all that other stuff. She's forced to be the queen killer. Yeah. yeah. It's so stupid. So it just happens to be the, gir the girl who fell in love with a guy who knocked her statue over and broke it. Right, That's before he turns into the thing. Right, before, not after. Right. So she gets kidnapped by a jeweler. And then she's saved by a guy who was he met cute, but now he's a monster. Right. Yeah. Okay, so he says, boss, we got a new member. And, and Mole Man goes, so what? And he goes, no, boss, you got to see him. He's a fucking rock. Oh, well, there's jewels from rocks, right? Does he at least say that? He is a jeweler. No. no. Are there any other superheroes or villains in this world? 
Uh, there's the jeweler. There's Doctor Doom. Well, if they made a sequel, there would have been. They were always hanging. They were always bumping the Spider-Man. Spider-Man got trapped in their escalator or what was it? Their glass elevator. Did you ever see that issue? In the Fantastic Four? Yeah, I think so. It was like, meet Spider-Man. I I didn't. I don't remember that. Now, I read the Fantastic Fours through all the 60s, all the 70s. Sure. And then I kind of stopped collecting because I got older and there were girls. And, right. You know, so maybe I have like one or two from like 81. I don't know. It dropped you, off my uh... radar. Did you ever see the issue where they introduced Black Panther? Yes, and it was Kirby's yeah. art. Very right. nice. He he says Fantastic Four come uh, uh, match wits with the Black Panther, and they go to Wakanda, mm-hmm. and he sets up like he these traps for uh, Fantastic Four, and Fantastic yeah. Four flips through them, and they're like, okay, let's be friends. You, you passed <laughs> my death. That's exactly right. See, I, I found out from uh, Ancestry.com that I'm 17% African-American. And at 17% African-American, I'm not from Wakanda. I'm from, like, Wakanda. Are you going to do that? Then you go, think you're Michael B. Jordan's song? That was material. Clearly, you knew it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I smelled it like a half a block. I away. dropped that joke. I've dropped any joke that has anything to do with any, you know, like racy race or, you know, anything like whatever's really inappropriate. I just don't tell them anymore. You know? Yeah, it's not your wheelhouse, man. You don't want to. It is my it. wheelhouse. It is. Those are funny fucking jokes to me, but but people don't appreciate them. So just don't do them. You want well, people it, to like you. It keeps things simple, too. If you just like, you know, you want people to focus on your jokes and focus on. On the humor, you don't want people to second doubt or like go, well, wait a yeah. minute, you yeah. know, because of this and that, and you know, I don't really think it's and then like they're, you know, yeah, good, good, good on us <laughs> here at the 